Every believer has the capacity to live as Jesus lived. Live victoriously over sin, sickness, death, poverty, and every evil works of the enemy. You can transform not just your own life, but the lives of people around you. The more you expose yourself to the words of God, the more you see it flow through you. In this message, Pastor Philip teaches on how you can respond to God's unconditional love for you. Live your life in the reality of His power and be all His Word says you can be. Jesus, we bless the reading of your Word today. We ask that you breathe upon our hearts. Let your Word bring forth fruits in our lives. Let our lives never remain the same. Today, as we study your Word together, we ask that you cause it to bring forth fruits fruits unto life, fruits of righteousness, fruits of transformation in the name of Jesus. Because people said a big amen. Alright, open your Bible, to the book of Exodus. Dumo, you're going to open with Exodus chapter 19. We're going to read verse 17. Exodus, let me tell you where we're going to read from. Dumo. Exodus chapter 19, 17 to 19. Then we're going to go to chapter 20, 18 to 21. So we're reading first Exodus chapter 19. Please help me. All right, 1917 to 19, Exodus chapter 20. Thank you. 20, 20 verse 18. Had this one sounds more like me. 20 to 18 to 21. So let's have it. Genesis 1917 to 19. What does it say? Help me. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. Mm-hmm. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. Mm-hmm. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because mm-hmm. the Lord descended upon it in fire. Mm-hmm. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. Mm-hmm. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. Mm-hmm. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him. Voice. God answered Moses by voice. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. Is this shaking? Uncle Joe, is this shaking? Exodus chapter 20, alright? 18. Yeah. And all the people saw the thundering. When the people saw the thundering. Are you guys following me with scriptures? Is he on screen? Okay, let's go. And all the people saw the thundering. Yes. And the lightning. Yes. And the noise of the trumpet. Yep. And the mountains smoking. Mm-hmm. And when the people saw it, they moved and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, mm-hmm. and we will hear. Mm-hmm. For let not God speak with us, mm-hmm. lest we die. Mm-hmm. And Moses said unto the people, mm-hmm. Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Mm-hmm. And Moses and the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God So was. the Bible says the people stood afar off. Today we're going to look at this word together and building the foundation. Can we please celebrate Pastor for that powerful word last Sunday? God bless you, ma. All right. And I want you to celebrate yourself. You are the cream of the crop. You are the serious Christians. Amen. You are the serious Christians. The people who saw the rain this morning and talked back into, into bed, some of them just wrapped their duvet. I said, please, I watch online. So they're watching online. But you are here. You are a very serious Christian. If nobody has ever told you before, just know you are a serious child of God. Celebrate yourself. Amen. Okay, so we're going to do this together this morning. I definitely cannot finish this sermon this morning, but I'm very happy I'll be continuing on Tuesday. Amen. That sounds beautiful. All right. Now, this scripture that we just read, God told Moses he wanted to meet with his people. Before then, Moses had been the one, you know, mediating between God and the people, telling the people what God said, telling God what the people said. But for the first time now, God said, I want to meet with my people. I want to come down on that mountain and speak to them myself. Follow me closely. I'm very used to distractions. And I'm not unfamiliar with why this morning looked the way it looked. The way all these things happen is because Satan wants to make sure you don't have a prayer life. The spiritual exercise with the highest level of resistance is the spiritual exercise with the highest level of power. Write it down. The spiritual exercise with the highest level of resistance. Anything you want to do in the spirit and you are most resisted from doing is the spiritual exercise with the highest amount of power. Why did you have all the old distractions? Is because Satan wants to make sure your mind is not settled enough to hear. And that is why you have to pay 
very close attention. This is the very core of your life. Nothing else is more important. No man is greater than his prayer life. The true estimation and the true evaluation of a believer is the quality of his prayer life. He can do anything. He can sing as much as he wants to sing. He can dance as much as he wants to dance. So long as he doesn't have a prayer life, he's not a threat to Satan. So follow me very closely. God said, I want to meet with my people. God wants to have a personal relationship with his people. God loves you. And he wants to have a personal, personal relationship. A one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. He loves that you come to church. He commands that you come to church. But much more than that, God wants to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. We saw in the book of Genesis 3, verse 8 and 9, that God will come down to the garden to see Adam. Every evening, the Bible says, the cool of the day, God will come down. Almighty God comes down. You say, never. God had never told Adam to come up. God was the one who was always willing to shift, to adjust. God was the one who always makes the first move. God came down in the cross, in, in Jesus, died on the cross. God came down in the Garden of Eden. God always comes down to his people. So we see how God will come, leave the angels, all the angels, all the angels, the billions of them. Leave the glory of the heavens, all the lights and the beauty and the glamour of heaven. God will come down to speak with his man, Adam. In the Garden of Eden. Today, God still is eager to have a relationship with you. He's personal. He's passionate. He wants to have a fellowship with you. He has never made it difficult. God has never. Give it to me, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. More. Genesis 3, verse 8. The Bible says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife did what? Did what? Are you seeing the Bible? Okay, so I need you to give me feedback. Are you cold? God forbid. Amen. The word of God is like fire in your bones. So the Bible says they did what? Who was the one that hid first? Was it God that hid from man? So if they say, God, show me your face. Show me your face. Who was the first person that went to hide him? It was man. It was not God. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Hey, who went to hide him? It was not God. It was man. It says they hid themselves from the Lord and God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9, the Bible says, and God did what? God said what? I'm doing this. I want you to follow me. You are not thinking about my God said what? And said what? Where are you? So it was God who said, Adam, where are you? It was not Adam that said, God, where are you? God was never lost. God never hid. Adam was the one who lost, who was lost. Adam was the one who was hiding. So the Bible says that God came to fellowship. Over and over, we see God coming to fellowship. In Genesis 5, verse 24, the Bible spoke about Enoch, that Enoch walked with God. Genesis 5, verse 24, Enoch was a man. The Bible says he walked with God. And he was not. Why? God did what? That's how jealous God can be in relationship. God took him. NLT says it disappeared. Give me NLT. Do more. It disappeared. How did it disappear? Okay. He was always working with God. He was always working with God. He was always talking to God. I can just imagine that one day they were walking and walking and talking and talking. And Enoch said, God, wow, it's 9 p.m. I need to go back. God says, oh, my man, you're not going anywhere else. From here, we do what? We go together. That's how passionate God is in relationship with you. God is always in the mood to talk. Never, doesn't have mood swings. Doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. My daughter, my two-year-old daughter, can wake up on the wrong side of the bed. This morning I called her, she didn't answer me. <laughs> Tell me. She was not in the mood to talk. She was not even, say, ah, Tony, didn't answer me. Tony, he didn't even do as if she saw me. So maybe she's booting. God never boots. See that? If you come to God, he's always in the mood to talk. God is always ready for a conversation. Always ready. He's always excited about talking with you. The Bible says God took Enoch away. 
And some people are afraid of working with God because they don't want God to take them away. You are afraid that you might go too deep into it. Listen to me. Some people are afraid that, ah, this thing, you might go too deep into it. But that's how passionate God is. God was so passionate about it that he called Abraham his friend. He said, my friend, Abraham, he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, how will I do anything and not tell my friend? You see, it was not Abraham that called God his friend. It was God that said Abraham was his friend. In this case, it looked at who God was. was God was the one that was farming Abraham. He says, Abraham is my friend. Abraham wasn't even at the gods to tell anybody that God is my friend. But God so loved Abraham, he was going to tell Abraham, he said, how will I do anything? Let's, let's check that scripture quickly. Let's look at this together. Genesis 18, verse 17. Genesis 18, verse 17. Yes, that's it. It was a question. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? The thing, give me NLT. NLT is in a more contemporary. What does it say? NLT. Shall I hide? He says. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? If you look at Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, he was talking to Israel. Isaiah 41, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. Help me. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descendant from Abraham, my friend. This was long after Abraham had died. God was telling people, say, Abraham is my friend. How many of you had some very important friends you were very proud to say, that person is my friend? Even though they were not your friends. Says, my friend is my friend. Some people just say, that's my friend, it's my friend. That person is my friend. That person might not even know you. Says, my friend. No, I went to a meeting one day. I sat down where I was. I didn't do as if I knew anybody. So the man of God that was preaching, we have not started itself since then. So I had a friend who came to the meeting who I saw in that meeting. And he was feeling like he was part of the people that were the important people in the meeting. You know, I just, just kind of says when you come to a meeting, you sit at the back, let them bring you to the front. It's common sense. But he was very proud, you know, and was that so I just said, so after the meeting came, yeah, bro, Philip, you're here? I said, yes. He said, wow, wow, I didn't know you know Pastor so-and-so. I said, ah, no, I don't really know him one-on-one, but, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this one, I'm blessed by his ministry, so I heard they were doing this conference, so I came. He said, wow, I know him. You know, we used to talk together, you know, be friends in Lagos. We used to do that. So, funnily, the pastor that we're talking about started coming, walk, was walking towards us. Ah, the man says, he came and said, bro, Philip, how are you doing? I didn't even know he knows me. I said, yes, sir. I said, I know you very much. How are you doing? Then the other guy who said he knows him, I said, he said, no, I don't think we've met before. I don't think I, I can't remember. I said, oops. But you see God saying, Abraham is my friend. Abraham is my friend. Abraham is my friend. The one day somebody took the wife of Abraham. A king took the wife of Abraham. And it was Abraham that said, he's not his wife. Do you know what God did? God went to that person's dream and said, you are a dead man. You took the wife of my friend. The man said, no, no. He said, all of you, you, all your people, all your nations, you are dead. All of you are dead. The man said, I did not know what God says. You better return it now. That's what friends do to friends. Friends keep the rack of friends. We, stay up. we are loyal friends. That's friendship. God says, Abraham. That's how passionate. Have you seen friends that they don't want to care who is wrong? They don't want to care who is wrong. I beg, I beg, I beg, I'm afraid. If, if they call them, they are fighting already. They don't even know whether they are, they don't even want to care whether your friend is wrong. So the man said, God, it was God said, I don't care. It's his wife. That's what I know. Give him back his wife. That's how passionate it is. God wants to have a relationship with you. Friendship. Relationship. Breath. Personal. One-on-one. Many, many years ago, I was very young. I just gave my life to Christ then. I tried learning how to play the piano. My father died. I think I was about 15 or 16 years old. I can't remember. 16 or 17 years old. My father died. And my other brother, who is a pastor in Redeem, amazing man. I love him. You know, he wanted to compel me to move to Abeokuta from Lagos. Number one, he said he wanted to watch me. He's not sure of what I'm doing in that our church. So we attended the Fravu Chapel of Power Christian Center, amazing church. That was how I gave my life to Christ. Amazing pastor. That's why I learned evangelism, learned how to pray in tongues. That was all the fire that was born, that's why I learned it. That's the church I said I went to when I went to sleep in a girl's house that I went back. I remember that story. And that's that church. So, my brother said, no, he doesn't care about what he's He's bringing me to the day, you know. And, you know, I was playing, I was already learning how to play piano and I was playing piano in that church. But my brother didn't want to hear. He came one day, dragged me 
and made it look as if I don't want to be, I don't want to be under control. I don't I want to be misbehaving. You just want to be you want to waste your life. You know, I just have our elders to do sometimes. So he just bundled me that day, bundled me from Lagos, took me back to Abekuta. I packed up my load. Went to Abekuta. I knew in my heart I didn't want to go to Abekuta. Not because I hated the place or I hated the church. Redeem is an amazing church, fantastic. Pastor Redeem is a father to all of us. All of us. Whether you are dead or not, he's our father. You get my point? He's our daddy, Jew. But I knew that God had an assignment for me in that church where I was serving. So as he brought me to the house, take your things to the room. I took my things to the room and I knelt down beside the bed. And I said, Jesus, you know I don't want to come here. You know that I have a work I'm doing in that church in Lagos. And my spiritual life is already budding and getting stronger. And you know that you have started a work in my heart. Please take me out of this place. Take me back to Lagos. I want to serve you there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got on my knees. The next morning, there was a message from the family head. Head of family. The entire Olubakin family. Return that boy to Lagos now. That's what God can do. If you have a pastor relationship with God, you're going to get jealous this morning. If you don't have one, you're going to get jealous this morning because I'm going to make you jealous. I'm not going to let you breathe. <laughs> I'm going to suffocate. <laughs> oh God. God longs to have a relationship with you. The greatest asset of a believer is his access to God. The greatest asset of a believer is his access to God. So in Exodus 20, we see God called an entire nation. Follow me. The entire country. Everybody. Come and meet with me at the mountain. This was God calling them up. Come. I want to meet with you. Enough is enough with having intermediaries. Enough is enough with having middlemen. Now I want to talk to you. I want to relate with you one on one. That is the design that God wants for you. But in 18, verse 18 to 21, we see that these people stood afar off. Help me do more. 18 to 21. Read again. Exodus chapter 19, 18 to 21. At Mount Sinai, is that it? Because the Lord fired, didn't fire, the blah, 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 blah. One mountain quick. Verse 19. At first, the Lord trumpeted, sound long and waxed loud and louder. Moses spake and God spake in verse 20. And the Lord came down, verse 21. Is that is, is Exodus chapter 19? Okay, chapter 20, we should be reading. Chapter 20, verse 18 to 21. Chapter 20, 18 to 21. Help me do more. Read for me. KJV. And all the people saw thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet. Yeah. And the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, yeah. they moved and stood afar off. So the Bible says there, we're going to do slowly. The Bible says they stood afar off. When they saw the mountain engulfed with fire, they stood afar. You cannot become anything mighty in the hands of God if you stay afar off. You don't want to come close. You want to stand afar off. Some people don't want to come close. They are staying afar off this morning because they are afraid that if they come too close, God will call them into the ministry. That God quickly notice them. I say, ah, it's true, it's true. We need somebody. Alpha is laughing. Some people's fear. If I come too close, God will notice me. Say, ah, this guy. He's serving me with all his heart. Next thing, ministry. And people don't want to come into ministry. They don't want to serve God behind the pulpit. And you don't have to stand behind the pulpit to serve God. The Bible says they stood afar off. So people stay afar off because they don't want to abandon their sinful ways. They still want to keep doing what they are doing. They know that if they come too close, the light of God will shine on that act or that behavior or that habit in their life. So they want to stay back and keep living the life that they are living. They want to be able to keep what they are keeping, do what they are doing. Because coming close to God will expose your lifestyle. In Exodus 19, sorry, verse 19, they says, if we come, look at that. Help me, Dumont, verse 19. They said unto Moses, Speak with us. And we will hear, and we will hear you. But, let God speak. but don't let God speak to us. Because we are going to die. You'll be speaking to us. So they prefer a man talking to them. Listen to me. People prefer 
prayer machines, prayer ambassadors, prayer machineries, people that will stand between them and God because they want to keep their life. They says, if I expose myself to God, I'm going to die. If I come to God and I constantly allow his voice spoken into my life, I'm going to die. And that's the truth. The prayer altar is a place of death. The prayer altar, like every other altar, is a place of death and sacrifice and pain. An altar is not a place to show off your gifts. An altar is a place to die on. Self will die on the altar. Flesh will die on the altar. Malice, bitterness will die on the altar. Everything that does not look like God will die on the altar. That's why the flesh will do everything possible to ensure you don't come on a prayer altar. The flesh will fight. I said in the beginning, the spiritual exercise, follow me closely, with the highest level of resistance. Do you know, if you agree with me this morning, and I know you will, that it was far easier for you, far easier in the midst of this cold, in the midst of the weather, in the coziness of this weather, it was far easier for you to get off your bed, wear your clothes, put on your shoes, go to the bus stop, get a cab, come down to church. It was far easier than for you to have gotten off your bed, go down on your knees and pray for two hours. How many of you agree with me? Sammy now. Far easier. It would be far easier for you to stand up from your bed Sit down and watch a Mount Zion movie. Is Mount Zion movie is it a Christian movie? Christian movie. It was far easier for you to be on TBN and watch TBN, watch the worship, and watch it for 12 hours. It would be far easier to do that than to go on your knees and pray for one hour. The spiritual exercise with the highest level of resistance in the spirit is the spiritual exercise with the greatest dimension of power. What is in the prayer altar that makes the devil stop everyone from going there? The moment you make up your mind to pray, you will begin to remember everything you should be doing. You thought you had memory loss. Satan will supernaturally remind you of every single thing you could be doing with this time. Am I saying the truth? The people that have never called you before, Satan will go and tap them. Let me call her. The moment you see your phone ringing, just because you have decided to pray, the flesh doesn't want you to come on the prayer altar. Why? On the prayer altar is death. Death is sacrifice. You cannot stay on the prayer altar and stay the way you are. You cannot. Every time you expose yourself to the altar, something must die in you. I'm telling you the truth. Self. You cannot continue to do what you will. Because you come to God's prayer altar, He will be revealing you to yourself. He says, take that out, take that out, take those off, put that out. It's a light to shine on you. And that's death. So if God keeps speaking to us, we will die. It's easier to come to church. People can even keep malice in church. Do you know that? There are people in this church now, as we are here now. There are people in this church not talking to each other. In this church. As we are like, all of us like this. You, you know, you might not know. But there may be somebody, another person, who are not talking to each other. And when we ask for prayer, lift up your voice and begin to pray. In their heart, there's bitterness. But they can do that here. They can do like that. They can behave like that here. They can have malice. They can have resentment. They can, the people can even come up on this prayer altar, this place, to lead prayer, to show people that they can lead prayer. Are you following my point? Somebody can be called here. Come and lead prayer. And in his mind, say, hey, that sister will know now that I'm deep in this place. The pulpit may be a sharp window to display your gifts. The prayer altar has no place for display. No place. No show off. There's no show off. The media people can be going up and down, snapping you as you are worshiping. And some of us are so good at it. The moment you notice focus coming, you change your, you change your countenance. You want to appear beautiful for Jesus. Oh. 
with tears running down your cheeks. But in your prayer closet, there's no media man. It's between you and Jesus. You see, the flesh dies on that altar. The flesh is uncomfortable. The flesh loves acknowledgement, loves to be noticed, loves to be seen. The flesh will not love you to pray or have a personal prayer altar because it brings death. It brings death to selfishness. It brings death to who you are. It brings death to your ideas, to your opinion, which you stay on the prayer altar. It brings death to who you are. I die daily, Paul said. Because sometimes you're supposed to say, God will pick it out. All those things you're able to cover up in church, when you come to God in your personal prayer place, he's going to pick it out. He's going to pick it out. If you go out dressed and your clothes is not proper, the Holy Ghost is going to pick it out. He's going to pick it out. You see, if your breast is short, it's going to tell you. Your breast is short. I can see a little bit of it. It's still showing. It's still showing. That skirt is too short. You pull it down, it's still too short. Why not change it? It puts light on your life. When you have a personal work with God, it doesn't allow you to post on your testers what you want to post. Uh, uh. How many times have you posted and you delete, post, delete, post, delete? The Holy Ghost says, delete it. Somebody be so nasty. You know you have a response for them. You know you know what to say. You are not short of words. But as you begin to tell the Holy Ghost says, say, okay. <laughs> delete and say, okay. Just say, okay. The light of God shines on your life. Death comes to the flesh. Listen to me. Flesh does not like to die. Flesh doesn't want it. Even if I'm praying, I love all those prayers, and I see all those prayer meetings, and I was telling, was it what Obina was saying? I see, I see all these prayer videos, and people think, and they are, shut up! Do you pray like that in your prayer closet? Is your voice loud like that when nobody's there? But when you come before the camera, suddenly your voice comes up, your tongues become capital tongues. Do you pray like that? Do you have a prayer life like that? Do you fall under the anointing? Is it to worship when there's smoke? When there's lights? Do you worship when there's no lights? The Bible says, either dwells in the what? Shall abide under the shadow. Can you abide in the shadow when there's no light? Is your prayer life that strong? The secret of prayer is praying in the secret. That's it. That's the truth. It puts a light on your life. It puts a knife on your flesh. I know what it means because flesh does not like to die. And I'm going to give you instances for my own life. Flesh doesn't like to die. They say when we come to God, He's going to kill us. Because the more you pray, the more of God you become. We are so focused on changing things. God is focused on changing the prayer. The prayer changes things. But prayer, first of all, much more than changing things, prayer changes the person. The more you spend time before God, the more your character is framed to be more like him. The more you take on his nature. Because 2 chapter 3 verse 18, the Bible says, as we behold, we become. The more we stay, the more we stay there, the more we stay, the more we become like Jesus. It's a place of divine exchange, a place of death for Jacob had to die for Israel to live. On that altar, that night, Jacob, the Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, the guy who knows his onions, who knows what to do right. On that night, he knew the futility of his pursuit for the past 20 years. The Bible says he died that day and out of the death of Jacob, came the rising of Israel. And for the rest of his life, the Bible says he leaned on his staff. He was no longer self-sufficient. This is Jacob. <laughs> the Jacob that knew what to do. Don't, don't, don't joke with Jacob. Jacob knows what he's doing. From his mother's womb, he fought with his brother. Got out, bought his brother's destiny with a plate of pottage. That's Jacob. <laughs> don't joke with Jacob. 
Jacob came to the house of Laban and saw Rachel. First day, the very first day saw Rachel. The Bible says he started kissing her and started crying. Oh boy, why did they cry? The Bible says he wept and began to kiss that girl. From the first day, old Jacob, he knew what he was doing. When they gave him Leah, <laughs> when we get to heaven, I will ask God. Jacob slept all night long with Leah. He said he didn't know it was not Leah. He said he didn't know it was not Rachel. Rachel, that the Bible says was fair, a beauty to behold. And this girl was with you all night. You touched all the untouchables. And then you came up and said you didn't know. He raised an alarm. Alas, I've been duped. But how did it happen? You are saying that you did not, you could not recognize Leah from Rachel? Abba, Jacob. So this was a Jacob. He knew what he was doing. He was not the dumb guy, but he came to a point in his life that flesh had to die. Because there's only a level to which flesh can take you. A place, a point will come in your life that flesh cannot go beyond this. Flesh can't go beyond this. You can have strategies, you can have schemes, you can have systems, you can put in all your plans, but you will come to a point in your life that flesh will be tired. It will take the power of the spirit to power your destiny. And Jacob got to that point. The Bible says he had to die for Israel to leave. The altar, the prayer altar is a place of death. I had to die severally to my own will, to my own plans. I had to die because in the place of prayer, flesh will die. Give me, give me an instance. Number one, I wrote about three here. In my former church, there was a guy, my, he's, he's, we're not very close, but he was in the choir. We're both in the choir. And I was sleeping with a, a sister in the choir. And I got to find out. I you know. I'm a very confrontational person. Confrontation is my hobby. I'm not afraid of anybody. Very confrontational. I'll tell you. This thing you're doing. You go to hell. I'm like that. After if I use DSS to catch somebody in our church, I use DSS to carry him, carried him away, got him into one strange hotel in Guanipa. Guy was, you know, ravaged, was brandishing knife to stab his sister in church, and I got to find out because he was sleeping with the girl. The guy said she's not doing it again. I wanted to threaten her, and I got to find out. And I swung to action, called my DSS guys. We picked him up like a kidnap, took him to a place. I brought out the paper and wrote another taking. I, so so and so, I will never in my life, if sister so and so greets me, I will not answer. And I wrote and I said, sign. That was shit in the midst of all the harmed DSS guys. Sign it. After he signed, say, Shall we pray? <laughs> we prayed <laughs> and shared the grace. I took it back. I'm like that. Very confrontational. But this one was terrible. So I said to the guy, Why are you sleeping with this girl? You want to destroy her life? So I comforted the girl, comforted the guy, and comforted the girl. So unknown to me, the girl was screenshotting everything I was saying and sent it to the guy. You know, girls are like that. You know, you are trying to save a chick from death. He says he didn't allow me to go to the refuse to eat. Refuse dump. That guy was like a refuse dump. So I told the guy, he now screenshot what I was saying and, my, and you know, recorded it and sent to the guy. And sent, the guy now, I said, I've told the guy with my mouth. I cannot, I don't talk to people about people that I've not talked to. I don't do that kind of thing. If, I, if you ever hear that I say something, I have already told the person. It's because the person is not here. That's why I told somebody else to help me tell you. I would have told you first, you cannot kill me. So on this faithful day in church, after service, the guy wanted to beat me up. And bundled me like this, after service. Jacked me up by my belt. He took Manus, you know Manus? Manus, where's, is Ali in church? Ali is in church. He took Manus to deliver me from that boy's hand He's a quiet but very strong guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> When I got home, I was furious as I drove home that night. With every sense of humility, I was more highly placed than that guy. I had a better job than he had. I was more influential than he was. 
I was even more influential in the church than I was. By all means, I was more highly placed than he was. And I could call my friends in Metama Police Station there and would have picked him up that night from his house. But as I drove him to my house, I was furious. The next morning, as I was about to pray, God says, you can't pray, Philip. He says unto you, forgive so and so. I say, God forbid. Even God forbid. I will not forgive him. God says, why won't you forgive him? I said, did you see what he did yesterday? Even me, I was even hungry. I thought that the angels of God were going to appear and deal with him, you know, because it was in front of people that he was going to malhandle me like that. But the Holy Ghost said, you would go and you would forgive him now. I said, no. And God says, until you forgive him, we can't talk. When you are forgiving him, then we'll talk. You see, because the Bible says, except you forgive those that offend you, your heavenly father will not what? Yes, so there's, there's an issue. You see, we can't go beyond this issue. Let me tell you something about prayer. If there's a matter in your life, you guys cannot go beyond it. God does not sweep things under the carpet. If there's an issue, you will be there. You will be on that matter. It will be on that matter. You can be on that matter for 10 years. You will not go beyond that matter. This is the matter. Because is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. If there's an area of your life that is outside the auspices of God's control, he will be interested in that matter. That will be the only place you'll be talking about. This one. is this one. Eh, eh, this one. This one. Until you yield this one, we will not go beyond. A young man felt that God might call him to China to do ministry. He just had a feeling like that. Nothing told him. God did not tell him. Somebody just told him that you are going to go to China to do ministry. He says, I can never go to China. Because he said, I can never go. God says, we'll be on that matter. I can never go to China. I will never go to China. All his life was on a stampede. He was on the same spot. He kept disturbing himself and he was, he was not able to make progress. Why? In his heart, I can never go to China. And as long as he can never go to China, there's a matter in his life that God is not Lord of. So they were on that matter. Ten years of struggling. Then he yelled and said, Lord, okay, I agree. I am now ready to go to China. God says, I was not going to send you to China. I just want you to be willing to go to China. Until you get to that spot. So we're on that matter. God said, you have to forgive him. Unless we cannot go ahead. And you, see, you ask my wife. I don't hold malice. Because of God. I cannot go beyond that matter. I don't know the kind of Holy Ghost that people have. That they're able to keep malice. And said, the Holy Ghost told me. How did the Holy Ghost tell you that? How did he jump this matter? Of malice in your heart. And he's telling you what that is. We don't go beyond that matter. This matter, this is where we are. So I sent the guy a text message right there in presence of God. So, so, and so, so, and so, what you did yesterday hurt me terribly, but I forgive you. And the guy replied instantly, you have never seen anything yet. <laughs> so I took my phone. I said, God, I don't know whether I can read. <laughs> Allow me deal with this guy. He said, I can hold my own. I won't pray. Don't send angels. I was furious. But God says, no. You forgive this guy. We got to church that evening. My pastor called the meeting. God says you would go. You forgive this guy. I was boiling. I was angry. God says no. You forgive this guy. I got up of my chair. I stretched my hands for him to hug me. He hugged me. There were tears rolling down my cheeks. I wanted to kill him. God says you would forgive this guy. That's what a prayer altar does to you. You see, it alters you. It changes who you are. And that's why the devil will make sure you don't have a personal one with God. Because that is why God deals with you. If a man does not have a prayer altar, so where will God deal with him? If a man does not have a prayer altar, where will God speak to him? Where will God be able to communicate words into his life? He's on that altar. And Satan knows. He will do everything. He can even ask you to come and come to church and be in church 24 hours. Just don't get alone with God. Intimate things happen in the secret, not public. If God is going to get really open with you, then you must be willing to get alone with him. Satan knows. Satan knows. You can't change anybody. It's God that changes. Our marriage, when I was going to get married to my wife, I love noise. I love noise. You see, I like noise. Have you seen people that love noise? 
If you went to Buffalo Levels, I, I, I stayed in our hostel. In Buffalo, we went to Buffalo Levels there. We went to, okay, of course. You know our horn, of course. Very noisy. I love noise. I can read in the noise. I can read where there's noise. I can sleep. You see, if you see me sleeping in the noise, you'll be shocked. My kids will be surprised. Ah! Everything, I'm sleeping. My, I'm in perfect peace. Some say, you know, the Holy Ghost like silence. They don't know the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not an introvert. He's not an extrovert either. The Bible says when he came, he came with what? A mighty rushing wind. Is that an introvert kind of thing? When God, why do people run away from this mountain? How did God come down? Talk of a dramatic entrance. Everybody we know that God has come. So I like noise. But my wife doesn't like noise. And we had a lot of problems when we first married on this matter. I like noise. If you come to my house, Bishop Odebo is playing here, Polity Francis is playing in the other room, everywhere noise. And I'm playing drums with the children. And I'm hearing everything together. I grew up, my father had Kenwood, you know those Kenwood speakers? Those old Kenwood speakers in the everywhere speaker. Noise. Why is everywhere quiet? Give me some noise. But my wife doesn't like it. I'm driving to the office and playing message on my phone, in my, phone, in my car. Noise, noise, noise. And I, you know, I hid it behind spirituality. After all, I'm playing message. One day God said, you have to stop that. I said, why? God said, you have to stop the noise. Your wife doesn't like noise. I said, but I also like noise. God says, but you are the one that would love your wife as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. You are the one that will stop making noise. You see, God's focus is always on you, not the other person. God's focus, some of us are so concerned about why God is not concerned about the other person. Why is God always saying, hey, what, what about it? God says, you, you, you fix you first. Leave the other person for me. You have serious issues with the other person. God doesn't talk about the other person. He's talking about you. He's talking about your part. God says, you have to stop. I say, but I'm playing. God says, stop playing sermons. I am the Lord of hosts. I'm telling you now. Stop playing my sermons. It is on the prayer altar. So if you marry someone that doesn't hear from God, if you marry someone that doesn't have a hearing for God, you're going to have a problem. If you marry someone that is not submitted to God or doesn't have a prayer altar, you think you can change your husband? Shocked. Shocked. You'll be shocked. Unchangeable. Unchangeable. You can't change anybody. Anybody. Some of you are getting to you think you're going to change the person. You are shocked. Nothing changes. Everything is accentuated. It becomes more in marriage. People, whatever the person is doing, it becomes more in marriage. It becomes more in marriage. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. Only God can speak to the person. When I got married, I didn't know, I didn't know what it means to be married. I didn't even care about marriage. I was married, but I didn't know. I still thought that I was my, on my own. You know, something about choleric, you have, if you work with a choleric, is that they are very, very goal-oriented. And they can thank God for the Holy Ghost that helps us twist or mend our temperament. Otherwise, they will mash anybody to get to their goal. The choleric like that. They don't care whose, whose horse is gorged. They don't care who has to lose it. If I want to achieve that, I don't care. I have to get to where I'm going. And, and if anybody has to go for it, let them go for it. So when I got my Ike, very passionate about God, praying in tongues all the time. I didn't even know that my wife needed emotional needs. Every time. I'm playing sermon. Five hours. So when will you have time to talk to your wife? When will you have time? You know, my wife said that at the point she was so angry that, can you please switch off Bishop Wedebo, please? Because it's everywhere. I can just wake up. Bam. I'm going for retreats. I'm telling the truth. I can just wake up now. I'm going for retreats. And I'm going. I can just watch one that was a video. I say, hey, God, you speak for tomorrow morning. I'm going on a retreat. No plan. Three days. Fast. Drive fast. That's how I was. I will just pack my bag and I will go like that. I will tell her, the Bible says that uh, you should not go on the fast except you guys take other content. I say, 
do you consent? Why would she say she does not consent? Does she want to be the stumbling block to my spiritual growth? So she will not say, yes. I carry my bag. Fear. Udi Kwali. Kwali, three days. I've been doing nothing. One day I now got there. As I was dropping my bag, God says, where is your wife? As I was dropping my bag, God said, where is your wife? I said, she's at home. He said, carry your bag and go back. Go back to your wife now. I said, no, 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 no. I'm sent to my destiny. I'm sent to my generation. Marriage cannot stand in between me and my destiny. God says, carry your bag now. You are not more spiritual than Jesus. Carry your bag now and go to your wife. Little did I know. She told me later. As I packed my bag and I went, she started crying. She said, God, I want my husband back. Me, I was there going. <laughs> now, she started talking to Jesus. I said, God, this is not what I want. I know he's your son. I know you want to use him, but can I have a bit of my husband? And God heard her. And God spoke to me. You see, you cannot speak to a man that God has not spoken to. These things, you understand it later. That you cannot, you see, when you are dealing with spiritual matters, you see, my wife said so a lot of things last Sunday. You should go back and see that sermon. You cannot deal in the flesh a matter of the spirit. You are trying to talk romance to someone whose spirit is tied somewhere. It does not work. There's a lady using demonic seduction over your husband, over your fiancé, and you think that text message is what he needs. He's on that serious seduction somewhere, and you are trying to handle in the flesh a battle of the spirit. So she spoke to God, and God spoke to me. As I knelt, I said, God, God says, go back to your wife now. If I didn't have a prayer altar, where will I hear God? I had covenant with God. I used to tell my wife, I have covenant with God that I've made with God before I met my wife. There are things I would never do to my wife because of my covenant with God. I have a covenant. I have an altar with God. You see that? I had an altar. I told my wife, I have never slept with any woman. I have never slept with any woman before and after I've met my wife. Because I had a covenant with God before I met my wife. When I met my wife and our body was doing kiss, kiss, kiss. And I thought I was going to sleep with her before our marriage. I wrote out a covenant. I will never touch you. till we I wrote it out. I said, sign here. I signed here. And I said, God, come and sign here. I said, God, sign your parts. And I pasted it by my bedside. While I was on campus. I had an altar where flesh had to die. You see, flesh would die on the altar of prayer. And that's why Satan wouldn't mind you coming to church. But he would make sure you don't have any time of prayer. And our civilization is designed to frustrate your work with God. This civilization, this life, this model, even the economic of the world is designed that you will not have a work with God. You have to rush at look at I'm preaching God's word, but by Monday morning, you have to go and hustle. The Bible says that the seed that fell among the thorns was choked because of the cares of this world. You have to pay bills, you have to pay house, you have to buy this, you have to suffer that. Before you know it, everything you had disappeared. Satan wants to make sure you don't have time for God. When I lived in Lagos, I, I, I you know, anyone that's a serious Christian in Lagos, it takes a double walk. I'm telling people, I still enjoy it. Lagos, I lived, I grew up in Lagos. My sister lives home by five o'clock in the morning. She gets home by 11 p.m. in the night. Every day, every day. By Sunday, she's, she's fucked out. How can you even pray? What prayer? Then you pray on the go. You see that? You pray on the go. That's what it starts. You pray on the go. And in prayer, quality time is quantity time. Don't forget, they told you, microwave prayer. It doesn't make anything serious. Because we have lost the art of staying long before our king. That habit, that tendency to stay before God for one hour. We lost it. And they exchange it with this microchip, micro, microwave prayer. Pray on the go. Shh, 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 shh. Thank you, Jesus. You are done. And you expect to power a destiny with that kind of prayer. It's not possible. And I don't blame you. You have to go to work. You have to, but Satan wants to design in the way that you do have it. Flesh dies on that altar. Lost dies on that altar. Apostle, I said, this is why you want to follow me. You have not prayed enough. 
and it is true. If you are struggling for fornication, go and pray. When you are done praying, pray more. <laughs> pray for like nine months. Pray, keep praying. Whatever you did to get out of it, is what you will do to stay out of it. You will pray for nine years like that. You see, you cannot keep praying and keep sinning. So I says, watch and pray that you do not what? Fall into temptation. That's the truth. Simple truth. As long as I keep sinning, Satan would wait. You see, two of them cannot work simultaneously. You can come to church and keep sinning. You can be in service in the church, serve in a, in a team, and keep sinning. You cannot have a powerful personal prayer altar and keep sinning. Impossicant. And Satan knows. He doesn't mind you disguising with all these church things so long as you don't have a personal. I know the difference. Alpha, I've been in both. I've been here and there. I've seen how I can be here and have nothing to do with God and be working in church. And I see how easy it is to meddle both. You see, a time will come in your life, you'll be able to blend everything together. If you don't have a prayer life, you'll be able to blend everything except the prayer life. So you'll be able to sing in the choir and sing. You'll be able to walk in the media and sing. Welcome our members with a warmest smile and still keep singing. But you will never be able to have a personal prayer life alone and keep singing. Never. That's the secret. It dies. Flesh dies on that prayer altar. Flesh goes on that prayer. I have so many things I wrote, I wrote here, but I have to hand up here. No man's greater than his prayer life. An attack on your prayer life is an attack on your entire spiritual life. If the enemy attacks your prayer life, he has attacked your entire spiritual life. Everything. Everything. Now, what you call prayerlessness is an attack. This thing you are sleeping like this, there's an attack on your life. I just hope you would understand that your prayerlessness is not just laziness. You are under attack. You are under attack. Satan has assigned a demon to ensure that you don't go beyond that level. You are under attack. Nothing moves until you pray. You may be having some little level of success and you think, okay, because you have one or two million here, then you don't even know what God wants to give to you. You start praying yours. Start praying first. There are times in this church I will shut down and I'll begin to pray. I'll begin to pray. Nothing is powered out. Look, when you see moves of the Spirit, like wind of the Spirit, and you think it's because it was suit that we wore. <laughs> it's death. My wife is my partner. She can bear me witness. Death. Wind of the Spirit this year is coming in December. Two months, we started dying. We started dying. One week, you may eat only twice in the entire week. You catch one water here, one bottle water here, you're okay. Kabara, Squeta, Embra, Kele, Kaskata, Ejekaba, Ambarada, Ata. Hours, five hours, seven hours. Kekwa, Krati, Kabra, Squata. You are sleeping. Metwa, Kaba, Kerada, Shata. No media, no camera, no record, no documentation. I saw some people that went to go and pray. And people have camera of them when they were praying. Jokers. How did you have that? You were praying in your room and somebody was there videoing you and videoing you. And you did and they snap you. What are you doing? You are wasting your time. No record. Panting on my on my balcony in the middle of the night. Keskata, Kelebrada, Kaskwalaba, Sometimes you even look at you are just gooning with No record. It is God that sees in secret that the words in the open. So when you saw the power delivery on that window of the spirit, and your eyes are like, what? That is the open reward for secret intense prayers. Satan doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to pray. Life will consider that if you don't pray. I stole Nepalite. You know, I told you guys about that before. I bypassed Nepal. Some of you have bypassed Nepal here. Bypass Nepal. Call my electrician friend. Cut off my ACs from Nepal. Cut off my gas cooker, the electric cooker. That was connected straight to Nepal, free light. And I only left small things to Nepal, like Bob and all that. 
So when they bring the lights, every other thing that is connected free, safe, that is connected free, on first. Before the one that passed through the meter. You get my point? I did that. So sometimes when we're in, in, the, uh, in the house, people are saying, Bro, Philip, uh, why is your light? Give me handkerchief. Why is your lights, you know, on it separately? I say, you know all this television. We don't know. We don't know what they are doing. God say, you know what they are doing. I will need them to pray. God say, you thief. You thief. Go and put that light back. I say, sometimes I even get angry. I say, am I the one that steals the most? Well, I'm that stealing billions. But God said, but you are a thief. The one you are stealing, are you paying for it? You are a thief. I could not pray for three days. That's why you see, I'm confused about people that continue in sin. And they're able to pray. There's no possible. The Holy Ghost will not move beyond that point. Or they have to call back the electrician to come and remove the lights. And God said, don't let you know. Because something will tell you. Say, you know, he has removed it, just go. God said, no, don't let him go. Test it. Be sure he has removed it. Because then you can say, hey, no, I do it. He's the one that did not do it. No. Make sure he has done it. So I make sure that what was right was done. The guy called me, said, ah, they, they catch you. I said, they don't catch me. I said, no, God, catch me. <laughs> Flesh cannot survive. The more you expose yourself to that altar of fire, every eating work of Satan in your life will be revealed. In your mind. Except you're not willing to change. If you are here, you are addicted to anything. Submit that thing to intense prayer. You are here, you are sleeping with your fiancé. You are sleeping with your fiancé. You know you can never sleep with your fiancé in the public. Chair, you know that. Are you following me? Yes, you can never sleep with your fiancé in public. And your flesh is longing for this sex. You see, sex was put there by God. Sex, your sexual desire is natural and God-ordained. But Satan's strategy is to make you enjoy what God gave you freely outside the boundaries of God's will and God's plan. Submit it to heavy, intense prayers. Tell your fiancé, we cannot be in the same room together again. Period. Your flesh will react. You know, there was a particular lady here who was sleeping with her boss in the office. And she came to tell me, this job is off. She came to tell me, and I, and I gave her a list of what she's going to do. I wish I could open and read that to you guys. I said, this is what you're going to be doing from now on. <laughs> oh, wow. My WhatsApp is loading. I said, number one, you cannot be with your boss alone after work again. All official assignments should be done within work hours and not alone. No compliments. Don't tell me I'm looking fine. What's that? Fine, fine for what? Don't greet me. Strictly business. I'm trying to get what I said, but I, I need you guys to say it. I said, no compliments. Don't greet me. She said, ah, is that not too much? Let me see it. He said, that's not too much. I said, no, it's not too much. He said, but the guy loves some little orgs. Wait, I'm going to get it, don't worry. I'm coming. So I said, okay, I've gotten it. This thing, it's as if they don't want me to read it for you, bro. I'll get it, don't worry. Ah, uh, it's my phone. I said, no, listen to me. I said, no physical touch. Don't shake me. Because then you're shaking at the not your hand like this. No. No shake me. No private meetings. No chats or unofficial calls. Don't call me to find out what I'm doing. I'm fine. No official work outside official time and within official circumstances. No compliments. Delete all formal chats or messages or pictures or any of such memories. 
you can not allow this thing to happen gradually. You must snap it out immediately. So she said, ah, all of this? I said, yes, otherwise it will not go. He said, okay, what about some little eggs? So I said, why are you trying to kill something and then giving that thing little puffs of life? You want to kill something. You see, flesh does not want it. Flesh wants to enjoy it. But on that altar, it's killed. On that altar of prayer, it's killed. On that altar of prayer, it's destroyed. Rise on your feet. I want you from the depth of your heart to say, Lord, help my personal prayer life. Help me build an altar with you. Help me build. Help me build an altar. Pray, pray, pray from the depths of your heart. Help me build an altar. An altar of prayer. Help me build an altar that's fired up in my personal life. Help me, Lord. Help me to know the intensity of my need for you in my privacy. Help me to know the intensity of my need for you in my secret place. Help me, Lord. Help me to yield to the nudgings of the Spirit. When you call me up to pray, is somebody praying this morning? Is somebody praying this morning? Come on. Help me, Lord. Help me to build capacity and strength in my prayer life. Help me, Lord. 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 Help me not to be a prayerless believer. Is somebody praying? Is somebody praying? Pray. An attack on your prayer life is an attack on your entire life. An attack on your prayer life is an attack on your entire spiritual life. Help me pray, Lord. Shake Rabakaskataya. Ika Mamba Mambo Sheta. Help me pray, help me pray, help me pray, help me, help me pray. I'm falling asleep. Help me pray. Kerabako Sika Para Rekabataya Shakabaratabataya. Help me build capacity. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Rika Parasia Mbambambambata Shakatabarataya.
receive today the prayer anointing. Thank you for listening to this message. Meditate on these words and watch how it will transform your life. For inquiries, please call 0909-672-9827 or 0807-548-5997. You can reach us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at SLChurchNG. You can reach us on our Facebook. That's Supernatural Life Church.